Well, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 1. John, of course, is in the New Testament right after the book of Luke and right before the book of Acts. And as we begin our study in the book of John, prior to starting with verse 1 of chapter 1 here, I'd like for you to just go ahead and mark this page and turn up in your Bibles to chapter 20. So John chapter 20. What I'd like to do here is to take a look at the reason that the book of John was written. The Bible's here going to is going to give us a very uh, straightforward, you know, to the point reason that this book was written. The Holy Spirit through John tells us the purpose for this book. So, John chapter twenty, and we're going to look at verses thirty and thirty-one. So. John chapter 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So, first of all here, the Apostle John states that there is a lot that Jesus did that is not written about in this book. And if you just look up one chapter right now to chapter 21... So John chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 25. It says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. So that's a pretty uh, amazing thing to think about, isn't it? All the good things that Jesus has done. And you see, as we go along through the Gospel of John and through the whole New Testament for that matter, we're going to see that, and you'll see personally, that Jesus will do a work in your heart. And this work that He'll do in your heart by His Holy Spirit through His Word will be such an amazing work that You'd probably you probably would be able to fill a book yourself with what would be written. So of all the things that Jesus has done and and continues to do in the world today in the hearts of men and women, uh, it would take a lot to write all of that down. And as we turn back now to chapter twenty, verse thirty one. Again, we'll see here the reason that the Gospel of John was written. In verse 31, it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, the reason I had you jump all the way toward the the back of the, the Gospel of John here was so that we could see the reason that all we are about to study, why was it all written? And it was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So 
again, as we start the study of the Gospel of John today, we do so knowing that we will come to the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we will have life in His name. You see, it's not through church attendance. It's not by attending a Bible study. It's not by growing up in a Christian home that we have life in His name. It's by believing And that's why the Gospel of John was written. And as we go through the Gospel of John, we're even going to talk about that word believing and and what does that really mean to believe in Jesus, right? But the Gospel of John here was written so that a person can come to believe in Jesus Christ and have life. Now, you see, some people may say, well, I already have life. I don't need Jesus, But believing in Jesus is where a person will find abundant life. And we're going to talk about that more as we go along as well. And it's really where eternal life begins when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. The book of John is a book that will build your faith in Jesus Christ. And it'll give you a clear picture of, of the life that you can have in his name. And I really encourage you to to read it on your own, to read it a couple times a year so that you can strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're at a point in time in your life where you have no faith in Jesus Christ. But again, by reading the Gospel of John, you can come to know who he is and you can place your faith in him And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at who is this Jesus as we go through the Gospel of John. And, you know, as I have personally studied through the Bible now for the past 28 years, I've done so knowing that it is the very Word of God. And it is powerful in our lives as human beings. And I want to show you a verse that speaks to that fact. So go ahead and mark... Uh, the page here, mark the Gospel of John in some way here. And we're going to turn uh, toward the back of your Bible, and I want you to find the book of Hebrews. You'll find it right after the book of Philemon and right before the book of James. So Hebrews, and we're going to look at chapter 4. Now, as we go through this study, as I you know, this this study here today, and also as we continue to go through the whole New Testament, you're going to see that I jump around a lot. I like to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. I like you to get a full picture here, and uh, it's important that as you study the Bible on your own that you do the same thing, that you let Scripture interpret Scripture and, and jump around in your Bible and look up other verses that have to do with it. But in chapter 4... We'll look down at verse 12 of Hebrews. So Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the hearts. So, you see... No other book ever written has the ability to do what verse 12 says there. The Word of God 
can dissect a human heart like no other book can. That's again why I stick close to the Word of God when I teach it, because my words can fall miserably short, but the Word of God never fails. The Word of God is powerful. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And as you see that word discerner there in verse 12, well, when you look up that word in the original Greek, it is the word kritikos, and it means skilled in judging. So kritikos, it means skilled in judging. It is where we get our word critique from. And that's what the Word of God does. It critiques the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. That's why the Word of God is so important, that you get into it and you come to, to grow in it. Okay, And we're going to talk about that more as we go on here. But a book that is written by a man or by a woman, it might be able to change the, the thoughts of your mind in some way, shape, or form. But only the Word of God can critique you in the very core of your being, your heart, your soul, if you will. Now, with all of that in mind, let's turn back to John chapter 1. And we will go ahead and, of course, we'll start in verse 1. So John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, notice the capital W there, or at least your Bible should have that W capitalized. Because here we see the existence of God the Creator. Again, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And then it goes on to say that the Word was with God. So here we are beginning to see the deity of Jesus Christ. And you'll understand that more as we go along. That's going to click in here at the uh, end of our study today. Jesus is God. And there it says that the Word was with God. Then it continues and says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Okay? So, again, hang in there because it's all going to become clear to you. But here we see the involvement of Jesus in creation. All things were made through him. Through who? Through the word. Okay? Keep that in mind. You see, there are many religions today that deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny that Jesus is God. But as we study this book, and more importantly, as you know, more specifically, I should say, as we study this chapter, we're going to see that Jesus makes several statements about himself in regards to who he is. As we go through the Gospel of John here, we're going to see that Jesus will proclaim things about himself. For one, he says that he is the light of the world. 
He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection. He is the vine, and he is the door. These are all things that we're going to see in the Gospel of John that Jesus said about himself. And when Jesus does make all of them statements about himself in the Gospel of John, he he does so by first saying, I am. In other words, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life so forth and so on, right? And you know, when God revealed himself in the Old Testament to Moses, right, in the book of Exodus, he told Moses that he is I am. God said to Moses that he is I am. And in the Gospel of John, we'll see that Jesus did not say that he gave bread. He said, I am the bread of life. He did not say that he would teach the way, the truth, and the life. Instead, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are all very clear claims by Jesus as to the fact that he is God. He was not just a man. He was not just a prophet. He was not just a teacher. In verse 4 here, it says, In him was life and the life was the light of men. So we see here that in Christ alone there is life. And that life is the light of men. Now, let's expound on that a little more. I want you to turn up a few pages here to John chapter 8. So we're staying in the same book, the Gospel of John, John chapter 8. And let's look at verse 12. So John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, notice there that Jesus says, when you follow him, you shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So that tells us that without following Jesus, we will walk in darkness. And what kind of darkness is that? Well, it is a spiritual darkness. Let's turn now in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's to the right from where you are here in John, about four books to the right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 3. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, you see, the word of God brings light into our lives. When we read it, we come to the understanding of who Jesus is. I remember very clearly the day that I came to know this life and and light that is Jesus Christ. I was in my apartment in 
Arizona. It was the summer of 1986. My life was in total darkness. The night before, my girlfriend, who I lived with at the time, who was now my wife, but we were drunk and we had a violent fight, and I'll spare you all the ugly details, but the bottom line was that I was lost in darkness. And I ended up that night falling asleep on the couch, and when I woke up the next day, my girlfriend was already off to work, and I had so much hatred and bitterness in me about my life in general. I thought it would be good that if she came home, she would find me dead. And, you know, I began to curse toward heaven for the fact that I was ever born. You know, why did I curse toward heaven? Well, because I knew there was a God. But I didn't understand why he made me the way he did, why my life turned out this way. But I went to the bedroom and I I pulled out a, a Bible that I had gotten from my dad before moving to Arizona. Why he gave it to me, I don't know, but he did. Now, I had picked up the Bible a couple of times before, but this time I, I brought that Bible out to the living room and I slammed it on the floor, still cursing God. And I picked it up again and I sat down at the table and I just decided I was going to read the book of Revelation. And I read the entire book of Revelation all in one sitting there, and I got up from the table, and I went over to the couch, and I turned on the television and came upon this, you know, TV preacher that was preaching about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and his message was called a Roadblocks to Hell, and he said that there were, there were people that God places in your life sometimes to stop you from going down a road of destruction, and, you know, at that time as I was sitting there, you know, thoughts began to flash through my mind of a man from my past that had shared with me the Word of God. And he told me that Jesus really did love me and that Jesus had a plan for my life. And as I'm watching this TV preacher, I got on my knees right there where I was in my living room there and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know, I prayed a prayer from a truly broken and repentant heart. And I stood up and I knew that I would never be the same again. But again, I had come to the end of me, to a place where I truly was broken and truly was repentant. And at that point, though, my spiritual eyes had been opened And they were open to the light of Jesus Christ. And you know, as I think about it, my girlfriend did come home and find me dead. I was dead to the person that I used to be. And I was now alive in Jesus Christ. And what was it that happened in my life that day? What took place? Well, go ahead and turn back to John chapter 1. Because I believe that this explains what happens in the life of a person. There's nothing special, nothing unique about me. I just came to the end of me. Finally realized that I needed a Savior. And in verse 5, it tells us, though, in John chapter 1, 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And you know, that's what happened in my heart. 
And that's what happens to every soul that will surrender their lives to the word of life, to the creator of all, to Jesus Christ. In him is life, and that life is the light of men. You see, a person is lost without Jesus Christ. They walk in darkness if they don't have the word within them. That is why I teach Bible studies like this. Because I know the power of the word of God in my own life. I don't do this to bring people to church. I don't do this to bring people to a religion. And I surely don't want anyone to become a follower of me because I am nothing. But Christ in me has given me life, and I desire that others would come to know Jesus Christ themselves, this great God and Savior who is light and life and abundant life. Let's turn in our Bibles now to the book of Psalms. You'll find the book of Psalms about in the middle of your Bible. And we're going to look for Psalm 119, Psalm 119. So Psalm 119, we'll start reading down in verse 101, 101. It says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, the word of God lights our path through this life, and otherwise we walk in darkness. The Word of God alone will keep us on the proper path. It'll keep us from evil. And the Word of God there in verse 103 is described as sweet tasting. And through the Word of God, like verse 104 says, we get understanding. And a person that does not come to the Word of God And remember, Jesus is the Word made flesh, and we'll see that in just a little while here as we go on. Uh, But a person must come to Jesus in order to have our paths through this life illuminated. And of course, coming to Jesus is mocked. Because as we'll talk about here in a little bit, there's someone that wants to blind your eyes from the truth about Jesus So they'll make Jesus look foolish. They'll make Christians look foolish. Pastors look foolish. Whatever it is, anything that will distract you from coming to the truth. And again, we'll talk about that. But go ahead and turn back now to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, picking it up in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. 
So what we have here is the Apostle John, he's now speaking of another John, that is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came to bear witness of the light. John himself was not the light, of course. He simply pointed people to the light, which was Jesus. And you know, that's the role of a modern-day follower of Jesus Christ. If you proclaim to be a follower of Jesus, you should live a life that exemplifies the light and the life of Jesus Christ. But Christ alone, though, is the light of men. And he is the one and the only one that will shine in the hearts of those that will turn to him. And according to Scripture... The truth is, is that we either have Christ in us and are filled with his light or we walk in darkness. So let's turn again to the Bible book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's look at verses 6 and 7. It says in verse 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts. Now, what's that talking about there? For it is the God who commanded light to shine out, out of darkness. Well, if you go all the way back to Genesis, in the beginning, right, God spoke. right? He said, let there be light. So it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts. Think about how powerful that is. The God that spoke light into creation wants to shine in your heart. To give, as it goes on to say, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Okay, so none of us can think highly of ourselves. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the light that commanded, right, um, you know, the God, I should say, that commanded light to shine out of darkness, he shines in our hearts. And the result of that light shining in our hearts is that we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ again. This is all pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is that light. And it says that we have that treasure, right? That treasure of that light within us. We have that treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, when we surrender our lives to God, the God of all creation then dwells in these fleshly, temporary bodies of ours. And therefore, God's the only one that can get glory. Because you don't have to look very hard at me to see my weaknesses and see my flaws, I'm sure. Right? And if we'd admit it, we'd all say that, right? There's nothing good that dwells in this flesh of ours. We are all wretched at best. The Old Testament book of Isaiah, in chapter 64, it says that we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. 
That's the word of God that says that. Isaiah chapter 64, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. So the New Testament book of Colossians, it calls this a glorious mystery that we have this light of Christ in us, that we have Christ in us. I mean, who can comprehend how God could love us so much that he would give us this wonderful knowledge of who he is in the face of Jesus Christ? God does not desire for us to walk in darkness, but the devil, the enemy, right, the the God of this world, he does desire for us to walk in darkness. Let's turn now to John chapter 10. The Gospel of John chapter 10. And let's look at verse 10. Jesus speaking says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So, do you see the distinction that is made here? Jesus came to give us light and abundant life. He is the good shepherd, and he desires to lead us through this life by his word. The devil, on the other hand, is a thief. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants you to walk in darkness. He does not want you to walk in the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he does all that he can in order to keep you distracted from the truth. He might point out a hypocritical Christian to you. He might point out that failed pastor and so forth and so on. But you know what? You alone will stand before God someday. And you'll have to give an answer for your own life. In the end, right, when this life is over, will you have known the knowledge of the light of life, Jesus Christ? Or will you die in the same spiritual darkness into which you were born? And these are very important questions to contemplate. Go ahead and turn back now to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and picking it up in verse 9. It says, That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, how many people does Jesus Christ want to give light to? Well, to every man coming into the world. Every child born into this world needs and can have access to the light of Christ. You see, God does not give this light, you know, this life, this abundant life to a select few. He desires that all will come to the knowledge of who Jesus really is. And verse 10 continues, He was in the world, 
And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Wow. So there again, we see the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. The world was made by him, but did not know him. Many people today believe that there is a God. And to them, he may be the man upstairs. He may be the big guy in the sky. But these people don't know this God because they haven't surrendered their lives to him. They haven't placed their faith in him. You see, verse 11 says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So you see, the Jewish people rejected him, and today, many people, both Jews and Gentiles, still reject Jesus Christ. But verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So very important there that you read that scripture. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So it's pretty simplistic. Believing in his name, believing in the name of Jesus, is how a person becomes a child of God. You've heard the saying, people say it all the time, we're all God's children. Well, that's not what the Word of God says, though. It says that we become God's children by believing in Jesus. And there is no other way. Now, why do I say there is no other way? Well, because Scripture says there's no other way. Turn to the book of Acts. It's just one book to the right of John. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. So this is talking about Jesus, right? Now verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So there again, the only way, Jesus Christ. It's only by believing in the name of Jesus that we can be saved. There is no other name for salvation. And to believe means that you within your soul have placed your trust completely in Jesus. And if you stick with us as we go through the Gospel of John, we're going to expound more on what it means to believe, right? But for now, just know that it's that person that has come to place their life completely in the hands of God. They surrender their life to God. They, they turn from their sin, they repent, and they, they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, You've seen the wretchedness of your flesh. You know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
And that you, you know that there's no strength that, that you have in your own self. Now, a lot of people go through this life thinking, oh, I can stand on my own. I don't need a crutch and all of that kind of stuff. Well, that's the person that hasn't come to that place of brokenness, that hasn't come to that place of repentance, right? But when you do come to that place in your life and you absolutely surrender all to him, you will begin to walk in a newness of life. You will be fully trusting him and placing him above all else in your life. And I know that to some that sounds extreme, but you must come to Jesus repentant of the life that you've lived while walking in darkness. For he is the only name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. And as we turn back to John chapter 1, And in verse 13, it says that these children of God, so it's speaking about those that have come to believe in his name and are children of God. It says in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you see, you cannot become a child of God through physical birth. My children are not born again because I was. It's not of blood. It's not something that you can inherit inherit from your parents or even you, you pass on to your children. It's not the way it's done. It's not by the will of the flesh that you are saved. It's not just a, a change of mind or a decision to, to make religion a part of your life, to make church a part of your life. Now, that's not what's being talked about here. It's not by the will of your flesh, nor is it by the will of man. In other words, others can't force it upon you. I can't force it upon you. It's a personal thing, and it's something that must take place in your heart, and it will happen through the Word of God. The new birth, though, is between you and God, and it can only come from Jesus, the light of men, shining in your heart. You see, we were all born once, right, by blood, by the will of the flesh, by the will of man. We're here, right? In other words, our parents physically came together, and here we are on the earth. But that was our physical birth. Our spiritual birth doesn't take place that way. The spiritual birth comes from God. And so we are born again by the Spirit of God, and that's the life that Christ gives to us, that new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So to experience this life, there must first be the death of our self-controlled life, right? Our self-centered life. We must crucify this flesh of ours, our carnal minds. Go ahead and um, turn to Romans chapter 6. It's to the right of the Gospel of John. You have Acts and then Romans, Romans chapter 6. And we'll look at verse 6. So Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So it's pointing out there, there was an old man, right? That old person you used to be. That, that the, it says that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, we become children of God 
when we're born again. And when we do, the old man's crucified, and there's a new life now. We walk in a new way. We walk in a newness of life. We don't walk through life the way we used to, okay? because we're not in darkness anymore. We're in the light. Let's turn now to 1 Peter chapter 1. Go toward the back of your Bible and find 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Gives you an indication here of this person that has come to Jesus Christ. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And then verse 23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So there we see it. We are born again through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Verse 22 says that we have purified our souls when we obey the truth. The truth of what? The truth of the Word of God. Jesus is the truth, remember? He is the way, the truth, and the life, he said. He said, no one comes to the Father but through him. Okay. Then verse 24 here says, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. See, we think this life is so much sometimes, you know? We think, we think we're all that, right? But... All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. It says in verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. So there you go. We are born again through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's why the gospel is so important that it be preached. And Satan, again, the devil, the enemy, he wants to to blind your eyes from hearing that gospel. He'll do it in one way, shape, or form. Again, he'll he'll make Christianity look like a bunch of fools. He'll he'll yeah, but you know what? Again, you're going to be standing alone before God someday, and you're going to have to give an answer for your own life. All of us do. And when we go to the Word of God, we see the truth. And we see that it is through the Word of God that we are born again. And that the Word of the Lord endure, you know, endures forever. And that the gospel is what brings a person to that place. where We are born again through the Word of God. And who is this Word of God? Now, it might sound funny to you that I say, who is this Word of God. But go ahead and turn back now to John chapter 1, and it will become clear to you. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, 
the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's Jesus. He is the one who lives and abides forever. The creator of all the world became flesh and dwelt among us. He was there in the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go back and read Genesis and see how God created everything. He spoke everything into being by his word. And then what happened? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was this word made flesh? Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, became flesh and dwelt among us. And he went to the cross and he died for our sin, our sin that separated us from a relationship with God, our creator, our father. That sin separates us from that relationship. Jesus came to redeem us. He came to give us life. He came to shine a light into our darkness And we walk in darkness without Jesus Christ. And by dying to ourselves and believing in him, placing all of our trust in him, it says in Matthew chapter 6 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, that's our top priority. We do that first. We do that above all else. We we seek God first. But that's not what our fleshly minds tell us to do, is it? It's not the way we are told to live this life, is it? It's all about what you can, it's all about buy, sell, and get gained. It's all about all of these other things that distract us from this glorious light that is in Jesus Christ. And as we continue to go through the gospel of John, you're going to have the opportunity to, if you already know Jesus, you're going to have that opportunity to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of him. And if you have not come to that place where you have absolutely surrendered your life to him, you will have the opportunity to do so because the word of God will illuminate you. It'll, it'll, It'll open up your eyes to see that you've been walking in darkness without this light because this is God's plan. God came to redeem us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And again, like I said, He went to the cross. He died that He might shed His blood for our sin, for the remission of our sin, that we might have eternal life and abundant life and walk through this life not in darkness anymore, but walk in, in the light. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, the psalmist said. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, as we read. So the word of God is so important. And that's why we're going to study it like this. And we're going to continue to go through the gospel of John. And if the Lord tarries, we'll go through the whole New Testament. But God bless you. And thanks for listening. If you need anything, contact us. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to answer any questions that you have about the Word of God in any way that we can help you. God bless.